Hey Wizards, V.E. Griffith here with a quick introduction to this special episode. In this show, we're going to give you a peek inside a coaching session with guest Elizabeth Wood, who this year is attempting her very first NaNoWriMo with her very first long-form work. Over the course of NaNo, we're going to check in with her and coach her through the challenge using the three-story method and see how she feels and how her story comes together. You'll get a ringside seat as these bonus episodes come out. We want to do them weekly, and you'll get them in your podcast and YouTube feed in addition to our regularly scheduled episodes. As always, you can find show notes, links, transcripts, and rubrics at revisionwizards.com. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per regular episode at patreon.com slash revisionwizards. And we always love to hear from you with questions, comments, and feedback. And with that, here we go. Welcome to the Revision Wizards podcast. I'm Ms. Catherine M.H. And with me over there is V.E. Griffith. And today we have a... Do, am I calling you Elizabeth? Did you want to be called? What would you like to be called? Who are you? Welcome. Join us. <laughs> Tell us your name way. and your pronouns. Okay, so we are doing a coaching session with you today. So I am super excited. So with my clients, I either know what I'm getting involved in before I have a coaching session, or they just come to me and I'm like, cool, throw it all at me and I will help you out. So which kind of version are you today? Do you have some idea of where you would like things to go? Or do you want me to just start spitballing questions at you? Um, well, the big thing that I'm looking for is possibly some help with uh, world building. I heard that you're kind of like the queen of world building. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and see what you had going on. I, I'm really good at taking kind of templates, worlds that are already created, and then running with that, creating my own stories on them. Um, right now, I'm writing for the November challenge um yeah. and i've got a story that i've cooked up years ago that i'm actually trying to flesh out and write but i want to stray away from what it was based on and actually create my own world around it so i'm hoping that you can kind of help me there possibly sure um do we have a genre idea so <clears throat> when i say that i don't mean you have to like really nitty-gritty are we talking fantasy as in like, we've got magic, I've got like dragons, I've got fairies, sci-fi. What, where are you envisioning your world like? So the world that I'm working on, it's a fantasy uh, world, uh, mostly geared toward like necromancy, undead. We got kind of um a positive light thing drifting off into darkness and then um we're trying to bring back or bring back the life into the world that's awesome okay loving it just writing notes sorry <laughs> okay, okay so tell us briefly about your protagonist so my protagonist um the she's sort of a she's sort of a uh, I'm broken right now. Hold on. <laughs> so my protagonist is she's a light priestess, um, kind of raised to 
I really don't know how to explain this. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So she's a light priestess. Okay. Um, what about age? What are we looking at age-wise? She's closer to about 23. Okay. Um, if you were to describe to her... Describe her as if you're describing her to someone who is blind. So how would you... Is she tall? Is she thin? Is she... Um, like skeleton is she would you consider her pretty what what description would you give to her to describe it to somebody so with her i'd describe her as being blonde she's about uh, probably five one five two um kind of small bit meek um but she's really into learning uh she absolutely loves hitting the books, doing magic. Um, she is really curious about the world and what it can possibly do. She's got a sense that she's being sheltered and she wants to break out of that. Okay. And what's okay. your antagonist or force of antagonism here? I've actually got a couple and I, I think that I'm struggling right there. Um, Death really is a big one. Um, there is somebody who is very close to dying. They have a disease that's causing them to ultimately meet their end. And she's trying to keep that from happening. And she ends up approaching somebody who his, his entire uh, career has been spent uh, managing death and how to avoid it and how to bring it and control it. Okay. So is death um, an actual character, a physical character, or is it just like an element almost? It's an element and sort of an idea, I think. Okay. All right. So if you were to step into this world. So your main character walks outside of their house. What would we be seeing? Uh, mostly, you know, kind mm. of everyday, like the earth, but um, slightly more, slightly brighter. You can kind of feel the aura of magic around you. It breathes um, in and out of the trees and the ground and everything in the air um okay and now this is how it always is or is this being dimmed because of the death that is happening around this is how it always is for the most part okay. death really um there story short there there was an invasion that has long since been over. Been over. It's about uh, twenty years since that happened, and um, there were some casualties that continued to survive after the war was over. Um, they're basically called the immortals, so they're dead, but they're they're basically undead, um, walking mm -hmm. around, <laughs> uh, living lives as normal, and. Um, Right now, what's happening is they are starting to disappear one by one. 
they're either getting sick or they are struggling to see what the point is. So, um, I forgot actually where I was going with that. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. I'm, I'm getting actually quite a bit. So, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> what, um, what level of technology are we dealing with? Are we doing Lord of the Rings kind of horses and, you know, pull carts, or are we doing something more modern than that? Are we somewhere in between? Okay. Um, I would say if, it's not a steampunk world, but it would be kind of on that level where you have the vintage meeting with the modern. Okay. That sounds like it's right up Catherine's alley. <laughs> trying to like think of which ones that would be. I'm wondering if it's more like Regency or if you would I'm trying to think. Okay. So scratch that part. What do what kind of culture are we looking at? If you were to base it off of one of the ones that we have here in, you know, our world, what culture would you say it is similar to? That's an excellent question. It's kind of its own. Um, okay. So to expand more on that, like what kind of clothing would people be wearing? What are the colors that would represent these people? So like example, I hadn't really we thought wear too much about that. Okay. Sorry. What would you like I hadn't them to really be? thought too much about it. Yeah. So now we can brainstorm some of it. <laughs> what would you mm -hmm. like your characters to be wearing? What do you picture her dressed in when you picture her? I, uh, you know, I imagine them being dressed um, actually pretty thickly. I, I hadn't really imagined that it would be cold, but they'd be kind of, you know, bundled up, um, possibly uh, not necessarily robes, I, I guess, sort of like a Greco-Roman style um, mixed with like medieval. Okay, that's cool. I guess. You know, it's like even strangers that I've seen stuff like that before. <laughs> um, there mm -hmm. is a group that I go to this Viking um, establishment and part of them dress mm -hmm. in a mixture of Viking clothes on top of like their Roman garb. It's super strange, but yeah. it works really well. <laughs> okay. So what colors would you imagine seeing your everyday person in? So these aren't like the priests or anything like this. This is what, if you woke up in this world and you walked outside, what are you wearing? What colors are normal to be seen? Kind of brown, red, purpley colors, um, things that are more earthly muted. Um, not a whole lot of bright colors really unless you get into like the mages where they're probably wearing a lot more color nice does the colors do the colors that people wear have any cultural significance not really no okay 
Okay. So let's look at your social world. So do you have um, a system set up for if you are female, this is what happens. If you are male, this is what happens. No, it's um, it's mostly equality. I mean, there are some there are some gender roles involved in that. Um, again, because some of the technology is limited. Um, but there it's it's equality is a big thing in in this this time period you know anybody can do anything they want regardless of uh what gender they are um how old they are um age is something that's especially with the mages and um the magic that is available age um is not a concern um They've been able to extend their lifespan quite a bit, um, so they can do pretty much whatever they want at any age. <laughs> okay, so then that brings me to: Are you their social and like economic statuses? So, do you have? There's poor people. Okay, so describe a little bit of that to me. <clears throat> Do you have a government system? Like, where, or is there a king? Nice. That brings me to the next important question. Magic. Start describing your magic. It doesn't matter if you word vomit at me, I will keep up with you. Just start describing any of the points, anything that pops into your head at all. Go for it.
Nice. That is awesome. Yes. Um, well, you know, it's, you, you definitely have, you know, your beggars, you have your, um, you have, you know, there's pirates, there's, um, <clears throat> um, warrior classes that kind of walk around and make themselves known, kind of get involved in the, the day to day every once in a while, make a fuss. Um, you have, um, all kinds of all kinds of stuff um i guess it's really Do hard for me to explain government system like where, uh, slightly i had i don't have it really fleshed out um i don't really have it fleshed out um <coughs> there there is sort of a mage government um that um they handle quite a bit of magic and and law are kind of bound together because magic is just in the air constantly um they live it breathe it everybody does magic um so they have to govern with it if that makes any sense nice. that brings me to the next important question magic start describing your magic it doesn't matter if you word vomit at me i will keep up with you just start describing any of the points anything that pops into your head at all go for it so magic is very strongly based in the elements um, not only of the planet that they're on but also of the universe itself so you have uh you have light you have um you have shadow magic you have the uh, well, not the void, but you have a void entirely where there is no magic. Um, you have uh, uh, nature magic, which encompasses, you know, earth, wind, fire, air, water. Um, and it's kind of like um, really on the, s on the side, its own thing. Um, you also have uh, Sorry, blood I'm magic, which is considered talking. to be in opposition <laughs> to nature magic. Okay. Um, so you've talked about. I haven't about, really dove um, too deeply into those things. details, but it you've is kind of a big part of my story. So I really do I'm need to. Do you have um, a religious system you have, uh, in your book, or is it like a all of these uh, different forces working together? What, and part of the magic. Part of the thing that um, comes to a head in the story is that they have researched all of the positive sides of magic um, and kind of gotten to the point where they have maxed out on what they can do with it. So they actually need to start using alternative forms of magic or darker magic to kind of beef up their, their positive sides. Um, and there was a lot of theorists trying to figure out how to do that. That is awesome. Okay, that brings me to two questions to think about. First of all, um, if you have a if you have a light side and a dark side to your magic, what's the penalty for using the dark side? 
What's the downside there? So there, there's, there's a few, there's, there's not a whole lot, um, as far as the government's concerned, there really isn't a whole lot of, um, penalties cool. if it's so really severe and causes a problem as a whole a um, they so can put mean? you on trial and depending on how many you know if there were lives lost or you know if you destroyed half of the planet well they her. they might um decide that you shouldn't be there anymore <laughs> um, but most of it is, um, I guess it's quite of, sort of a, a karmatic system. Does that make any sense? Um, you know, if you, if you continue to use this negative magic, eventually it's going, um, uh, it's going to kind of eat you alive, I guess, um, is the best way that I can describe that. Okay. So there is some sort of a, an existential or or sort of bodily penalty if so you keep it that'll up. Bring me to my yeah, bodily, uh, <laughs> spiritually. Um, um, necromancy. It's kind of an you ebb and flow, yin and yang what thing. If you if you're using dark magic, come into play um, in eventually all the lights gonna be. <laughs> you'll lose okay. your mind. So you'll lose your life. You lose your soul. Even a soul. Some people okay. who don't about, who have many that will a worship the light. factor in the magic. In most magical systems, there is some kind of there is something that limits can a mage to how much he can work in a day or in a time period. So um, where in does video game terms, it would be you run out of mana. Um, right. In uh, you know, in some systems, it's just that it's physically taxing, and eventually you wear out. Right. Uh, physically and you've got to sleep or you've got to rest or right. in Dungeons and Dragons you memorize your spells, you have a maximum capacity and when you use the spell it goes out of your memory and you have to do it again mm -hmm. What what is your limiting factor? Really type and energy um, Okay, so physical limitation? Yeah, physical limitations Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just writing notes you can keep talking <laughs> Okay, so you've talked about magic, you've talked about um, some other things. You've mentioned a few times spiritualism, but now I'm wondering, do you have a religious system in your book or is it like a spiritual system? You're doing what? good, I'm getting a lot. Besides so magic <laughs> moves people. Well, they're not entirely certain really what happens with the soul. They do know that they have one. Um, they don't believe they're, they're definitely polytheistic. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any one answer one way. So there are some that believe in the afterlife. There are some that believe soul is a bunch of fooey because you know they they, yeah. they do see magic okay. but they so don't believe in internal so you have soul, a bit of a plot um, do you want to tell me um i had a little bit about your story really you thought about that too me, much they do believe in the existence of soul but past the big that one point, that i like to ask people they're is, not what do you very think religious is the most of them of your book? If this was the movie it's like the whole shit i've waited this entire moment um, for this 
what do you think that is of your story? Cool. So that leads me into the segue then. I was going to say, because your main character is a light priestess. So what does that Mm -hmm. mean? What does it mean for your character? What does it mean to the culture that is around her? Um, well, the big thing is they believe that the light, um, the light is healing. They are there. She's serving a particular set of gods. Um, more for n- not necessarily for the afterlife, but for now and the present. Um, kind of the common greater good deal. Does she like lichen? Um, hadn't really fleshed that out very much. Um, So that'll bring me to my other question. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Necromancing. You've mentioned it now. Mm -hmm. What does this have to do with your magic system? And where does it come into play in your culture and society? So you have some people who believe in a soul, some people who don't. You have many that will worship the light. You have people who think that that is the way to go negative magic can impact you and it can kind of consume you so where does necromancy fall into this necromancy um i guess that kind of falls mostly into kind of the power dynamic those who crave more power um start doing uh, necromancy is kind of between what we would call shadow and uh, blood magic. And um, it has a habit of kind of driving you insane Um, in order to create the undead, you have to rip away the soul and then you animate them with blood magic. Um, you're doing good I'm getting a lot so you're good (laughs) yeah so the the outline for this story I kind of came together in about mm, four days so it was more of a hint and I haven't quite fleshed it out some of the um some of the magic systems I had focused on a little more uh, to kind of get the story to work, <laughs> but I hadn't fleshed it out very much. Uh, as far as necromancy goes, um, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you've mentioned that you have a bit of a plot. Do you want to tell me um a little bit about your story if you were to word vomit at me you don't have to tell me your plot if you don't want to Mm -hmm. um the big one that i like to ask people is what do you think is the climax of your book if this was the movie it's like the holy shit i've waited this entire moment for this Mm -hmm. what do you think that is of your story uh, well, so the story uh, basically begins with this uh, priestess. She's going about her day, just kind of chilling when one of the immortals walks in 
he is diseased. They can't seem to necessarily figure out what's going on. Eventually, they realize he's actually dying. Um, they have not come across this before, so they don't necessarily know how to heal him. Um, so we have our light priestess, who is extremely intrigued. She likes this guy. Um doesn't really know why she but she like, does like, like him. him well there's something about him that intrigues her she respects mm. um he you know he's an immortal he's fought in wars he's basically a warrior so yeah she kind of likes likes him but not like that <laughs> at least not yet she um i think she's kind of baffled because she's been able to heal anybody that comes in and now she's presented with an immortal um, light isn't going to work in healing him. Nature magic isn't going to work in healing him. And she does not have experience in shadow magic. Um, knowledge in blood magic has been greatly destroyed because of a war about 20 years ago um, that uh, very nearly destroyed the world. Um so she goes looking for answers. Um, now, this particular immortal doesn't really want to live. Um, <laughs> he's kind of done. He's like, just please, just let me die. <laughs> I'm okay. Just let me die. I'm done. Um, she kind of refuses to accept this answer. I think she really, really, really just wants to fix it. So she does some some research. She goes to a library. She meets a character. He's a librarian. And um, he spent, uh, it's a while before she actually figured this out, but he, um, uh, for about 300 years, has been practicing many, many schools of magic. He made it his life's pursuit to gain as much knowledge as he possibly could um, and kind of became like the theoretical physicist of the day. He was like the um, kind of like the Stephen Hawking and Einstein all rolled into one as far as magic goes, but he was also kind of crazy. So he was um, yeah. kind of cool. delegitimized, I guess. <clears throat> so um, He went off the deep end, started practicing necromancy and uh, was eventually book, arrested right? for it. Uh, he was brought up okay. on trial because he did actually right. sacrifice so quite a few people book, I have a few questions. in the pursuit of How learning this magic. How does she know that she needs to start researching um, blood magic uh, based on sentenced to execution? This so coming. very shortly before his execution, he was uh, approached. They said, hey, uh, so we've got this thing happening. We kind of need your help. We know that you have uh, a lot of experience with the magic that's causing it. We we need you to, to help stop this invasion. Um, so we'll give you a pardon and a new identity if you help us stop the invasion. Or you can just die. <laughs> uh, so in the interest of self-preservation, he decides, hey... So, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm going to take that pardon and become a librarian. I really do need a timeout. I've spent the last, you know, 250, 300 years uh, 
causing a lot of chaos, I probably should just retire and have some peace and quiet for a little while. So he becomes basically a hero. He is assigned a new identity as a librarian and um, is basically banned from doing magic. Well, this brings my, my priestess into the picture. She goes to the library to try to do some research on this, this magic that can help bring this immortal back to life basically so or heal thing, heal this immortal from his disease um, almost a pride issue that she so there there have actually been a like, couple of different like, which ways that this can happen and that's another thing that i struggle with right now like, is like which no, I'm gonna, which like, one kind of go against should i go with but um she ends up finding out what his identity is who he is um and she convinces him to train her in the magic. Um, he reluctantly agrees to do so. And then uh, once... Um, so you're writing more of a fall of a uh, After he agrees, he's basically said, this man doesn't have enough time, so I'll perform the ritual. I will train you. However, so to like do this magic in the future, the because one. we are going to start having you, more immortals coming in, you're going to need to know what to do. So he starts training her in the magic. Um, that's the, uh, at least the end of, or closer to the end of this book, <laughs> he does end up healing this warrior. Um, she starts realizing, or she starts realizing that she really does like this guy. So they end up going out on a date afterward. <laughs> And that's kind of where that particular story ends, but it does continue way farther. Um, eventually, uh, this librarian necromancer starts taking over the world again because <laughs> he warns her, hey, if you get me started, I'm not going to stop. I'm, you know, I love magic. This is what I need to do. I'm not a librarian. That's it. Once you get me started, I'm not going to stop. And he starts taking over the world. <laughs> But, um, okay. yeah, and then she eventually loses her mind. She becomes a shadow priestess. Cool. That's so not in guy? this book, though, right? Because it almost sounds no. like okay. the librarian is the dude that right, she gets so then with. For this book, not I have a few questions. How does she know that she needs to start researching blood magic okay. based on this immortal coming how in. does she find the library is she like doesn't library? she doesn't like, actually hey, find out about it until about she meets stuff. the librarian because she's really she's realized that she's at she's at the point um and where the magic that she knows isn't going to work so she ends up going to the library trying to find the answers is it a city or is it but a she's encountered this librarian who knows pretty much everything there is to know about magic and he's like dropping little hints on her as she's there <laughs> um so she's actually kind of going back and forth between the immortal and the librarian trying to convince the immortal to actually live <laughs> she's like hey you know you have gone through all of this now it's time for you to actually live your life so because it's been stripped from you um and then she ends up going back to dragon she's like i don't permitted? i don't understand but you keep telling me these things oh, what is it about you like, she well, does a whole bunch of research into him basically research? and then confronts him with it okay 
So she ends up finding out through the librarian that because, blood magic I mean, is the way that she needs to go. And she meets the only way that she knows that she's going to be able to do that like, yeah, is sure, help you. him. What do you think? Gotcha. So another thing. So is now, part okay. of her character, so the tension will be a pride issue that she won't let this guy die. Like, he's like, please, I think- just let me die. I don't want to deal with this. And she's like... No, I'm gonna like kind of go against all of your wishes for almost selfish yeah. reasons. Yeah, and it really wasn't until I got to that point in the story that I realized that that's what was going on with her. I'm like, she's really not as you know sweet and innocent as she seems. <laughs> I think that she thinks that way. Yeah, that she's you know altruistic and all that, but honestly, I think it's more of a selfish thing on her part. So you're writing more of a fall of a main character where they they start off being more on a good side and eventually it's almost like them becoming the bad one because you sort of uh, I think it's at least in the in the initial book I don't I don't really know I mean maybe but she grows quite a bit because she gets to a point where it's kind of like a pendulum. She she goes from one to the center. She kind of swings back and forth after the first book. And then finally she swings all the way to the other side. So yes. Um, but as far as the first book, no. Because she is able to ultimately cure him. Now, does you know, she train with the, the immortals? Yes. Like, hey, somebody's yeah, wishes, I think it actually could be cool to go home and have a farm <laughs> and, you know, do all the things that I should have done while, you know, uh, uh, before the the invasion occurred. Um, she ends up, you know, ultimately carrying him. She ends up getting the guy for a minute and then things happen later. So which guy? <laughs> Because it almost sounds like the librarian is the dude that she gets with, not the immortal. No, no, it's the immortal. She gets, she ends up with him. How does she find the library? Is this like a well-known library? It's like, hey, anybody can research magic and learn all of the stuff. Yes, it's the main library in, um, in town. Okay. So there's and a big a city that they live in. City. Okay. I'm sorry? Is it oh, a city a or city, is yes. it a town? City. Yes, that's a big city that they live in. So it's it's the main hub for the city. Um, and the library, it, it includes quite a bit of magic, yes. Um, it has a lot of antique books, a lot of vintage books. It's got a lot of knowledge on pretty much anything. Um that you would need to know that is permitted, I guess. So why is she allowed to just read? Did you say forbidden or just permitted? That's permitted. Okay. I was about to be like, well, then why is she just allowed to research? (laughs) Okay. So what would you say is her big hurdles? Because I mean, she can walk to the library she meets a dude who's mm-hmm. pretty much already going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. What do you think? Mm, no. Causes... So, no, okay. 
So the her big the- hurdle really is getting access to the knowledge. Um, she she does make it to the library, but all of that information has been destroyed since the war. So there is not at least public public knowledge. There are there are some people within um, um, kind of like the the, the higher mage circle that they know blood magic they they are aware of what it can do and there are some people that are knowledgeable in it but as far as public knowledge because it nearly destroyed the earth they have just either destroyed it or made it very very difficult to get and it actually a lot of the information that she's looking for isn't available in that library and there isn't anywhere that 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 dragon could or even would point her to to find it so her her path of least resistance really is through him she finds out kind of through her discussions with him because again she's kind of going back and forth uh with him dropping hints because he's just a jerk (laughs) that um he knows what's going on um she kind of figures that out and ends up discovering that he is the one that she needs to be talking to now does she train with him against somebody's wishes or is that with somebody his own his own so she ends up modifying so he's he's put on parole again he's given a new identity he is granted a pardon but he's still on parole he's not He's not permitted to actually perform any magic. So she approaches uh, the courts to try to modify his parole against without him being present or his consent. Um, and she basically forces his hand and teach, uh, forces him to teach her how to do magic or blood magic anyway. Okay. So I know that so she- I, this is something that keeps coming coming through to me um do, do, and i know that um that you are at least minimally familiar with the with the three c's conflict choice and consequence do you have a sense yep. of for your for your full story what they are there's what, what a lot is... of them going on <laughs> so no okay <laughs> no <laughs> All right. I guess, I'm still I actually guess going some... through the outline and, you know, this has actually been my biggest problem is that, you know, I have a sense of, I have a sense of the story. I really, you know, I've got a bunch of scenes that I've, I've thought of for a really long time. I can kind of string them together, but I don't have anything that's fully fleshed out as far as, um, you know, the three C's. <clears throat> for a lot of people the hard one to come up with is the choice Mm -hmm. Um, to understand what the character, because if you don't have a, if your character isn't making choices, they're just sort of bouncing through the story and they're not doing anything. They're reacting Mm -hmm. and they're not acting. And so you want your reader wants to be taken on a journey by a character who's making choices. Um, Can you see in your head, what the climax yeah, is and what the major choice, the the gut wrenching choice that she's going to have to make, who's going to live, who's going to die, that kind of, that kind of level of choice. Can you see something like that? 
Um, well, you know, the big choice is um, obvious to me really is the choice to uh, to use blood magic in general and the choice to to train. Um, it's kind of one of that moment where there's actually a lot of different choices that she's making at the same moment, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Or mm -hmm. at least a lot of different decisions, you yeah, know. It does. Um, she's she's realizing at that point that she's willing to do anything for this, and that she has kind of screwed this guy over <laughs> while doing it, but she doesn't care. Um, so, you know, does she does she do the right thing? Does she do the wrong thing? And is it actually wrong? <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, approximately what point in your book does do you think of as that choice being made? Um, I think that that's when she's actually presenting him with his, um, his order to perform community service by training her. Okay. Are, are we talking like three quarters of the way through the book? 80%? 20%? I think that's probably it's actually about three quarters, a little a little past half, somewhere between half and three quarters. <laughs> okay, all right, three fifths. That's fine. All right, that works. Um, at least to start with, that works. Um, and then what's the? I do have a. What's few the things. consequence here? So what, what? It's it's interesting. She, the image you said she loses herself or becomes a becomes a shadow priest. No, you priest. haven't. So you're you're good. Why yeah. is, okay, why um, is that a negative? Well, it's a negative because she's she's lost <clears throat> basically yeah, the good person that she was. Will word vomit. Um, the the crap she was. Maybe she never was, the but vomit, there is some goodness in her. There's some innocence in her. Exactly what you were yeah, trying she's to approaching me. this. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, but it's all kind of thrown to the wayside for yes, you know, someone that she thinks she I loves. Do see. Um, um, that's There's a really that big feels like, good movement, for the especially moment, in Disney, to write the villain stories. And I feel from what you're telling me is that you are writing a villain story. You're writing how she becomes it, where it almost feels that she herself... I mean, there's good in people. There's even good in villains. They believe that they are doing the right thing. But it also sounds like... Yeah the amount of power yeah. that she wasn't allowed to have being sheltered is too appealing for her to turn away. And now that she knows where she can get little bits from, she's going to go for it. And I feel that that's, that's how your, your story is playing out a bit. And you as far as in the, the, the first book or throughout everything seems the series, let's just do the, let's just do um, the first book. And usually dull, there are two or three progressive complications and twists. Monotone almost um, with the amount of, yeah, like those earthy monotone colors. And you can say, no, you don't know yet. Bright colors. She well, I, I, I do. I'm just trying to pinpoint because like I said, she's going, that, she's like, going back and forth. Um, you know, she, not having she gets to a point where she's absolutely frustrated she's because she feels like she's getting a couple of inches and then all of a sudden she's stopped and there's nowhere the else to turn. Um, you know, she's going cool. back and forth to dragon. Dragon's like, Hey, you know, you, you should look into this. She's like, okay, so tell me a little more. And he's like, no, sorry, go away. 
somebody and she she struggles with that plus she's also struggling with trying to get the immortal decide that he wants to survive and she wants even though she she doesn't understand why it has to be so freaking difficult so finally she kind of melts down and then the immortal's like but just because okay, you think it's I see right, her trying really hard. That that's the right yeah, thing sure. Maybe I should. So I feel like so she's got like, okay, cool so that's the little nibble. And then she continues on. to try to push forward until she's like, this is all I've got left. She goes to the courts and she forces Dragon's hand um, because he basically, he's he, he keeps telling her no. False narrative. You know, you you, you can't do it this way. This is what you need to do, but you can't do it that way. She's like, okay, well, and like I like I said, you know, I was using one of your quotes where don't accept no from somebody who doesn't have the authority to give you a lash or the authority to give you yes. <laughs> Sorry, I said it a little bit there, but basically, she's like, you don't have the authority to give me a yes. The courts do. The courts can give me a yes and force you to do what I want you to do. So. Okay. Do you have more, Catherine? I do have a few things. So it's it's interesting. Now that I've totally dr- in- run us off the rails. <laughs> no, you haven't. So you're you're good. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry. I do have severe anxiety, so I like start to ramble and then ADD out. <laughs> you know, all writers will word vomit. The the craft. What I yeah. do is I pull the word vomit. I write you up notes that will explain exactly what you were trying to tell me. Yes. Cool. We'll get so, you we'll get you a copy of the notes as soon as Miss Catherine has them done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I do see um there's a really big like movement, especially in Disney, to write the villain stories. And I feel mm-hmm. from what you're telling me is that you are writing a villain story. You're writing how kind she of. becomes where it almost yeah. feels that she herself, I mean, there, there's good yeah. in people, and you there's even good in villains. They going. believe that they are doing the right thing, but mm-hmm. it also sounds yeah. like and it's, it's the a cool, amount of it's a cool power idea that she more wasn't allowed to have of a character sheltered than to do like, haha, you are the absolute away. hero. And now like that she knows yeah. where she gets to get see little bits of characters, she's going to go for it. And I feel that that's how you're your stories playing out a bit and you can see it almost in the colors where everything seems mm-hmm. to be um not dull but very monotone almost Earthing. with the amount of yeah. yeah like those earthy monotone colors whereas the mages have those bright colors she mm-hmm. has that like almost want to move yeah maybe in that well, direction definitely not write up the notes along with other questions so usually when i write up that notes for people i'll add in questions that i had so you're showing that i'm just trying just a little bit more colors you have to answer me the type it's just of magic you that you have, have is pretty and then cool. i do you've got all the several broad magic that i use with people and i'll send you a bunch of those too so the fact that people are maxing out on it automatically shows that so they'll ask somebody's got to start 
flesh out things and diving more down. as the answers and come so to you. And so she's mm-hmm. that they person don't have to be going to. And that's what I tell people. It's like you don't have to know. To do I'm a pantser. Exactly I love the pants outlining. Even though she the devil thinks to me. That that's the idea that you should be doing. She's like, this so is to right. me, we're right. feeling this. I'm learning this like magic. World there will be other I know people. My character. And then, but from just because you think that's it's right, doesn't write my story. That that's the mm-hmm. right so I'll, I'll send you some stuff. And so I feel like you've got right. a cool solidify some story going on. Right. Well, the thing, the thing is, actually written down. The thing that I had actually written down several minutes ago was that this really is a fallen angel origin story. <laughs> sort of. And almost sort of. Yeah. Narrative. Yeah. Where we think and you know, I've got like 10 templates too. I can send you. <laughs> and I'm sure that she feels uh, the the thing is is like near yeah, the I've end she really stuff, isn't the one, you know. I have what does your city look like? I Dragon and what's so it's actually funny I was taking some some advice from Mr. V Griffith uh, Griffith over here. Um so that, he's like, well, you know, maybe she's talking to I, well I, I had gotten I had gotten stuck. <laughs> I had gotten stuck. I was introducing another character way, way, way too early. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. I'm struggling. So what do I do? He's like, well, maybe you should have her talk to somebody, maybe a pet or a cat. And I'm like, hey, dragons in this world at the same time, maybe they should meet. So I kind of threw them together. He kind of ended up not necessarily taking over the story, but he's definitely involved in about... mm, two two thirds of it <laughs> so he has already been the one um he 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 spent quite a bit of time researching alternative magic which is how he ended up where he was um so he is that one that finds out how to push it further um he kind of just started to dive even deeper so she's trying to actually get up to that level and then she falls yeah because he basically ends up leaving her in the dust yeah and it's it's a cool it's a cool idea to do more of a a fall of a character than to do like Mm -hmm. haha you are the absolute hero i like when when you get to see the darker side of characters I love him and I don't know why I've always kind of been that way but you know I don't I don't always feel I and I've always I've always been sort of I I don't I don't feel like everything is black and white there's definitely you know gray and as far as you know the villain they think that they're doing good too you know it's just a different viewpoint so yeah they're the hero of their own story yeah so <laughs> that was my thought anyway yeah. Well, I'll definitely write up the notes along with other questions. So usually when I write up notes for people, I'll add in questions that I had where I'm just prying just a little bit more. It doesn't mean you have to answer me. It's just to get you thinking. And then I do have several different templates that I use with people and I'll send you a bunch of those too. So you can flesh out more of the stuff and then it's all right there. So they'll ask you questions and you can flesh out things more as the answers come to you. They don't have to be all filled out. (laughs) That's what I tell people. It's like, you don't have to know. I'm a pantser. I love to pants. Outlining is the devil to me. (laughs) I'm an absolute pantser. Uh... 
I just like to world build and I know my character. And then from there, that's all I need to write my story. So I'll, I'll send you some yeah. stuff and hopefully that'll help solidify some things for you too. Cool. Yeah. My thing is I know my characters really well. I know what they would do in any particular instance, but the big things surrounding them, like their world, I've always had such a hard time with that. So any help that you can give me would be wonderful. <laughs> well, yeah. I've got like 10 templates I can send you. <laughs> cool. I've got magic stuff. I have spells. I have, you know, what does your city look like? I even have clothing. So I got you. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. All right. Well, so I think that's, that about I think that's pretty much session. What? Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Then uh, we'll go ahead and end it here and catch up with you possibly next time. Thanks very much.